Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Today is September 26, 2022, and our first story. Nancy Pelosi is humiliated after getting on stage in New York and a massive music festival crowd boos her. One guy in the audience is like, it's Nancy Pelosi. Why are they booing her? Because even in liberal places like New York, they do not like Nancy Pelosi. And Jen Psaki's admitted it. If the Democrats run on Joe Biden in the midterms, they will lose. Their only option, paint the right as extremists. Which brings me to the next segment. Bill Gates says we will have a... He says we're going to have a civil war and that the election will be hung. He says it definitively. Considering the demonization and the fact that Democrats only have one thing to run on, I don't think he's wrong. In our last story, SNL loses eight cast members. Get woke, go broke. Yeah, we're winning the culture war. If you like the show, give us a good review. Leave us five stars and share the show with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. We are just over one month away from the midterm elections, and already it's seeming very, very bad for Democrats. Nancy Pelosi took the stage at the Global Citizens Festival in New York, New York, and she was booed. And one guy filming is like, it's Nancy Pelosi. Why are they booing her? Because people don't like the Democrats. And it's expected that they're going to lose in the midterms by how much we don't know. Now, since 2016, the pollsters have been panicking. Their polls were way off. And since then, they've repeatedly put out these these warnings right before elections. We may get it wrong. We're not science. We're not rocket scientists. You know, we could get the math wrong. They're doing it again. More articles are coming out where pollsters are saying or people are saying the pollsters are saying that they're probably wrong. And despite the fact that Democrats have taken the lead in the generic polling, historically, it still suggests they are going to lose. And then Jen Psaki comes out and she gives a statement. She says, if the midterm election is a referendum on Joe Biden, the Democrats are going to lose. I mean, just look at the economy and look at crime. It's obvious to anyone. But if it's a referendum on who's more extreme, then the Democrats are going to win. And of course, she calls out Marjorie Taylor Greene. And this ex- this exemplifies, it explains exactly why Democrats are leaning so heavily into demonizing the right. Like when Joe Biden came out a couple weeks ago and called Republicans extremists, or he said the MAGA Republicans are extremists. And he said, not the majority of Republicans, but these Maggie Republican extremists. And then a couple weeks later, a guy gets an SUV and then runs over a kid. 
And he says that kid was a Republican extremist. We already saw what happened with the this kind of rhetoric out of Portland, where a guy got shot twice by a dude with a big old communist tattoo, a Black Lives Matter tattoo on his neck. The Democrats have nothing. They're the party of the affluent. They have increasingly become the party of the rich. So talking about the economy isn't working for these people. No, what is working is screaming fascist over and over again. I think the appropriate term for what happened to Nancy Pelosi at the global citizen stage is humiliating display because of what humiliating actually means. It means to make humble. That's the root of humiliate, to bring someone down, knock them down a peg or two. huh? She gets up on stage and everybody says boo to you. And that means something. It means even in New York, they are sick of the Democrat establishment. Now, why for the life of me, they keep voting for it. I don't know. But that's why they're leaning into the extremism talk. By all means, boo Nancy Pelosi. But if you think Trump is worse, you're going to vote for her, right? I mean, in San Francisco. But people in New York don't like her. So I'm not entirely sure. I think we're now seeing stories that show the Democrats actually are the more extreme faction. Case in point, we've got the New York Post saying Democrats need to stop encouraging violence because of what just happened in North Dakota with this man killing this kid. You also have the New York Times coming out and saying, yeah, actually, children are getting sex change surgeries. I think regular people are seeing that and they're saying, no, thank you. And then over in Italy, what do we have? The first female prime minister, they say, maybe. And she's far right, a fascist. Yeah, she's like, we should support our families and not perform sex change operations on kids. Whatever your position there. The Democrats are extreme because their only option is to convince you the other guys are worse. Their whole platform is so extreme, they're desperately trying to cover up how extreme it is by blaming someone else. I don't think it's going to work. I really don't. I mean, I think it's working to a certain degree, but for most people, it's the economy, stupid. And with crime as insane as it is, with Nancy Pelosi being booed, you can see people are just over it. But we'll see. The Republicans may not actually pull this one out. We don't know. They may be able to get a little bit. They may win a little bit. We will see. Donald Trump's endorsement record, really good. But this is why Democrats have been funding MAGA Republicans. That's right. Spending upwards of millions of dollars to promote the messages of Trump supported candidates, people he endorsed, because they desperately need you to think the Republicans are more extreme. The reality, I just think people are going to say, I don't know, man, stay away from my kids and I need a better job. Let's read the news before we get started. Head over to TimCast.com and become a member to support our work. As a member, you get access to the TimCast IRL uncensored members only shows not family friendly, and you support our journalists directly. All of the news that we do with all of our reporters is funded directly by our members. That's true. And we constantly strive to make more, to do better, to fact check, get the job done. We got Elad on the ground at a John Fetterman rally asking people what they think, because we genuinely want to know and we want you to know what they think. But this, we don't, we don't make money directly off the articles. We just make articles and then hope that you will choose to support our efforts to do so. You'll also get access to our other shows like the Cast Castle vlog and Tales from the Inverted World with more shows to come. So smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, become a member at TimCast.com. And now let's see what's going on here with Newsweek. Nancy Pelosi booed as she takes the stage at New York City event. Hmm. 
Let's uh, let's play the video for you. You can hear what people say. I couldn't talk. About that. Did you hear that? It's Nancy Pelosi. Why is everybody booing? <laughs> I couldn't talk about that. So she gets up on stage at the Global Citizens Festival. This is a festival that's trying to end global poverty. What that means, I honestly couldn't tell you because it sounds like something thought up by like a child. We should people shouldn't be poor. Yo, poor people aren't poor, at least by standards from 100 years ago. Doesn't mean their lives shouldn't improve. But here's the point. There will always be poor people because literally math dictates. Let me explain. In the 1900s, there were poor people. They had coal all over their faces and kids worked in factories. Early 1900s, I mean. 100 years later, poor people have air conditioning and clean water and refrigerators. You know, if you wanted a refrigerator back in the day, you had to be rich. You want an air conditioner? Good luck. They didn't even exist. And when they did, it was really expensive. TVs were tiny. The point is, as we grow as a society, there will always be people who have the latest technology and people who don't. So how do you end global poverty? No idea. But anyway, Nancy Pelosi gets on stage and they boo her. They're going to say Pelosi was called up on stage on Friday by actor and musician uh, and activist Priyanka Chopra. As she did the stage and discussed efforts to combat climate change, many members of the audience began to boo her. One user claiming to be in attendance shared a video on Twitter to controversial alt-right figure Jack Posobiec. Oh, I didn't realize that Jack was alt-right. Maybe because he's not. As of Sunday afternoon, the clip had been viewed 167,000 times. Quote, as Speaker of the House, I am here to thank you for your dazzling ad- advocacy, entrepreneurial thinking, and determination as global citizens. Mm, global citizens. I wonder what that means. Pelosi said amid the jeers from from the crowd. It's thanks to your help that the United States recently enacted historic climate legislation, which will be a game changer. It will slash carbon pollution by 40 percent by 2030. Yeah, in California, they banned electric cars. I mean, I'm sorry. They banned gas cars. They banned the charging of electric cars. No, no, no. That's a little bit extreme. They said, please don't charge your car. It's only a matter of time. In many different jurisdictions, we've seen them put limitations on your ability to change your thermostat. One person super chatted us on IRL saying that in Nevada, the thermostat automatically goes up to 78 without telling them at 3 p.m. And then before they realize that the house is, is hot and they have to go and crank it back down. In Colorado, it said, sorry, you can't change your thermostat because you signed up for our energy saver program. I think humiliate is the right word, as I was saying. Humiliate comes from the Latin root word of humilis. Humility. To humiliate means to make someone humble. Being humble is a good thing. Nancy Pelosi should recognize what she represents and who she is and probably bow out, retire because she is despised. But perhaps some people booing her may humiliate and make her humble. Which brings me to this article from TimCast.com. Oh, where the Democrats will be. They will lose and they know that. Democrats will lose if election is a referendum on Biden, Jen Psaki says. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. 
and you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's arkseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. arcseedkits.com. Here we go. In a Sunday appearance on NBC's Meet the Press, former Press Secretary Jen Psaki said Democrats will lose the November midterms if the election is a referendum on President Biden. Look, I think that Democrats, if the election is about who is the most extreme, as we saw, you know, Kevin McCarthy touch on where Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, t- touch on there with Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'll say her name, sitting over his left side, then they're going to win. If it's a referendum on the president, they will lose and they know that. She's basically admitting Democrats must demonize the right, otherwise they lose. That's why Joe Biden came out and said what he said. The former press secretary further noted crime as another vulnerability for campaigning Democrats, citing Pennsylvania's gubernatorial election between Democratic Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman and Republican challenger Dr. Mehmet Oz. Follow the money, said Saki. In Pennsylvania, the Republicans have been spending millions of dollars on the air on crime ads spending millions of dollars on the air on crime ads against Fetterman, because that's where they see his vulnerability. So yes, the economy is hanging over everything, but you do have to look at state by state factors and crime is a huge issue in the Pennsylvania race. A record, a record will quite literally follow you through the rest of your life, costing you better job opportunities, better housing opportunities, better employment, and all kinds of other things that really aren't fair. In my opinion, quite frankly, said Fetterman at the power of a pardon event in late 2021. So I'm proud to say that through our leadership, we've conferred more pardons in Pennsylvania than any administration in history. On September 1st, Democratic Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf, along with Fetterman, announced a pardoning project for criminals with minor nonviolent marijuana convictions. I agree with this, by the way. According to the governor's website, applications for the PA Marijuana Pardon Project will be accepted until the end of the month by the Pennsylvania Board of Pardons. Applicants accepted by the project will be required to seek expungement through courts if a pardon is granted. Quote, I am committed to doing everything in my power to support Pennsylvanians who have been adversely affected by a minor marijuana offense on their record. This pardon project has the potential to open the door to for thousands of Pennsylvanians, the college grad looking to start their career, the grandparent who's been waiting to chaperone a field trip, or the Pennsylvanian who's been told no for much needed assistance. Now's your chance. I think this is a good thing. What they should do is make sure that anybody who gets pardoned did not plead down from violent charges. Now, there's a challenge there. Let's say you were arrested on a marijuana charge. They overcharged you to try and get you to plead down. Now what? You're not eligible? There's challenges. There should be a review process and nonviolent offenders should be pardoned for this, in my opinion. Nobody should be turned down for a job, housing or volunteering at your child's school because of some old nonviolent weed charge, especially given that most of us don't even think this should be illegal. Agreed. Agreed. But not particularly relevant to the big picture. The big picture here is the Democrats know they're going to lose the election unless they paint the right as extreme. Well, my friends, I think the left is extreme. I think they are. 
Here's Twitter user Ellen Barkin, a Bronx girl. I think she's some entertainment person. She said, the news out of Italy is frightening. It really is 1933, except this time we are Germany for F's sake. Wait, what? We're Germany? Hold on. Who is this? Where do you do you live in Italy? Okay. She says Bronx girl. So I don't think she lives in Italy. Michael Malice chimes in with we. There is no issue that affluent white women won't make about themselves. We? Yo, that's Italy, dude. Not us. But this is an example of how extreme they are. The media keeps coming out and claiming that fascism is on the rise because it's Italy and now they can finally use the word as Italy is where fascism was uh, originating. But no, this far right politician is basically like a moderate. That's it. But these people have lost their minds because they're extremists. Here's where we are right now from Politico. Pollsters fear they're blowing it again in 2022. Oh, you think? Democrats seem to be doing better than expected with voters, but if the polls are wrong, they could be disappointed in November again. I think they will be. Here's what I think. Simultaneously, the Democrats will do better than people expect because they expect them to do bad, despite the fact that the polls say they'll do well. So they'll probably end up somewhere where the polls are, but a little bit worse. I guess what I'm trying to say is everybody sees the the bad polling and they're going to go, aha, Democrats are going to lose because polling is wrong. The Democrats will do bad, but they'll do a little bit better than as bad as people think. You know what I mean? Like, it won't be as bad as people think. Politico says pollsters know they have a problem, but they aren't sure how to fix it. They aren't sure they fixed it in time for the November election. Funny. I remember the exact same thing being said in 2020. (laughs) Since Donald Trump's unexpected 2016 victory, pre-election polls have consistently understated support for Republican candidates compared to the votes ultimately cast. Once again, polls over the past two months are showing Democrats running stronger. Now, here's what, I, here's what I wonder. Are the people booing Nancy Pelosi booing her because they hate Democrats or because they hate corporate Democrats? Are they Bernie leftists or are they moderates who are like, we ain't voting for any of these people ever again? Hard to know for sure. But look, I don't, I don't care to read another, the polls are wrong, the polls are wrong article because we read them nonstop all day, every day. We know the polls are wrong. I think Republicans are going to do well because the polls are wrong. I don't think it'll be as bad as a lot of people think, like a major, you know, red tsunami. I say that somewhat facetiously. But of course, as new, here's what they're going to do. The left will pull out all of these videos where I'm like, a red tsunami may be coming. And they're going to be like, haha, you were wrong. And it's like, yeah, okay, dude. When a poll came out showing Republicans had a five point generic ballot lead, it was indicative of a red tsunami. Now the gap has closed because time has changed. We will see. We don't know exactly what's going to happen. I think Democrats will do better than people want them to. But we'll see. The New York Post writes, Democrats need to stop urging political violence. Okay, Jen Psaki, if this is a referendum on who's more extreme, let's play a game. Will regular people get access to this information? Will they see how extreme Democrats have become? It's up to you. It's up to you, faithful viewer, to share this video. If you don't, well, then people won't hear it. And that's just reality. And most people don't. Look, a lot of people will listen to this on a podcast on like iTunes. How do you directly share that? You can tweet that you watch the show or you can tell your friends about it. Some people might watch on their TV a lot harder to share. Some people on apps a little bit easier to share. The point is a lot of people don't share. You don't have to. It's fine. But my point is whoever it is who's talking about this that you support, you should be informing people this stuff's happening because Jen Psaki's not wrong. That's why they're doing what they're doing. The Democrats are a party of urban wealthy elites. They need something that is not economic 
to campaign on because rich people aren't so worried about the economy. Not as much, at least. Middle class and poor people are. This is what you need to show, that these people have become extreme. The New York Post says, Kaylor Ellingson was killed last week in North Dakota after another man, Shannon Brandt, hit him with his SUV. Ellingson was 18 years old. Brandt was convinced the teenager was affiliated with a Republican extremist group. No evidence exists for this claim. Footage of Brandt's bail hearing shows him seeming confused that he may suffer for his actions. It comes right from the top. The president of the United States, supporting by, supported by a fangirl media, spouts irresponsible rhetoric that led to Ellingson's death. We get it. I'm not going to read the paragraph she wrote, but you know. Biden said MAGA Republicans are extremist threats. Quote, I remember as a young student, you know, student trying to figure out how people basic people get basically drawn in by Hitler. How did that happen? I'd watch newsreels and I'd see this guy sitting up there ranting and raving and people shouting and raising their arms. I thought, what's happened to these people? Clinton said at the Texas Tribune Festival in Austin. You saw the rally in Ohio the other night. Trump is there ranting and raving for more than an hour. And you have these rows of young men with their arms raised. I thought, what is going on? Yeah, Joe Biden came out, raised his fist. Here's the thing. Here's a picture of Joe. He's angry. Here's the thing. Trump's true fervent fan base is relatively small. The people who vote for him vote in a coalition. Me, I'd probably lean towards DeSantis at this point. We'll see how it goes. I go back and forth. But DeSantis really does with the Martha's Vineyard stuff. DeSantis, I think, is really doing a great job. So, yeah, the Trump zealots are a small faction. A lot of people are fervently cultist for Trump, but most people are like, yeah, you know, Trump does a better job on certain things. I wish he did better here. With the Democrats, they're like, we hate Joe Biden, but we hate Trump more. The hatred they have for Trump is greater than the love for Trump. Fact. But there's a coalition of people who are terrified of the cult against Donald Trump. The real cult are those who hate Donald Trump. Because sane regular people are like, yeah, I get it. Trump's kind of bad in some ways, but whatever. The cultists are just like, I refuse to read any news that might question my reality. It's creepy and it's bigger. And they're advocating for violence. And I think regular people need to see this because Jen Psaki, I think, is I think is right. It is a referendum on who's more extreme. And I'm telling you this, it's the Democrats. The Democrats are more extreme. They're a cult. Share this information with people. They might not want to hear it. That's fine. But I'll tell you this. If anyone ever says, I'm not watching that, that's that's right wing grifter stuff. You're going to be like, oh, like some kind of religious zealot. And that's it. Religious zealots. These people are like Christian religious zealots won't read the news. It's like, okay, tell them that same thing. Be like, oh, okay, so you criticize people who won't read the news and you won't even try to prove it wrong. Why? Because you can't. Because you're in a cult. Cultists are the ones who refuse to read the news. That's them. So here we go. Let's talk about who's more extreme. All right, we're going for it. First, Latino voters are shifting right. Here's how Democrats can bring them back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care to read how they can bring them back, but we are seeing it. In fact, some estimates say that even in the black community, 22% of black voters might go Republican. That's apocalyptic. Democrats can't win unless they have at least 20, unless they have 80% of the black vote. 22 suggests Republican victory. The reason why I'm saying I'm going to show you how extreme the Democrats are, but bring up Latinos, is I think there's a big reason why Latinos are shifting to the right. One is immigration, but also it's traditional values. Latinos are family oriented. They're not as religious as some people think, but they, they are, many of them. And they certainly don't agree with woke insanity. They don't like the term Latinx, Latinx or whatever. And they don't want their kids indoctrinated with weird cult values. So here we go, ladies and gentlemen. You want to talk about extreme. Let's play that game. 
I'm going to start by saying this. Children are getting sex change surgery. They're getting it on the top and the bottom. And they're lying about it in the press. Mostly the activists are lying about it. And then many activist news news organizations are pretending like that's true when it's not. The New York Times writes, more trans teens are choosing top surgery. Small studies suggest that breast removal surgery improves transgender teenagers' well-being, but data is sparse. Some state leaders oppose such procedures for minors. Interesting. Here's a doctor. Doctor, I can't pronounce this. It's S-I-D-H-B-H. So is that Sid? Sid? Genuinely can't pronounce it. I'm sorry. Uh, Doctor, what's called Sid? Dr. Sid Gallagher's unusual embrace of social media platforms like TikTok has made her one of the most visible surgeons. She stands in front of a sign that says science is real. Black lives matter. No human is illegal. Love is love. Women rights are human rights. Kindness is everything. Here's the story. Michael, 17, arrived in the sleek white rating room of his plastic surgeon. After years of squeezing into compression undershirts to conceal his breasts, the teenager was overcome with relief this morning, last December, that morning, last December. Wearing an unbuttoned shirt, he posed for photos of his mother and the surgeon, happy to share his bare chest with the doctor's large following on social media. It just felt right, like I'd never had breasts in the first place. It was a yes, finally kind of moment. Michael is part of a very small but growing group of trans adolescents who have had top surgery or breast cert removal to better align with their body's experience, et cetera, et cetera, going on. They make the point, highlighting a 17 year old. It is true that there are many children between the ages of around 13 to 17, these are minors, who are getting double mastectomy surgery. It's also true that there are children who are getting what's called bottom surgery, that is, their genitals removed or reshaped or altered. There are some anecdotes of uh, youth hysterectomies. I don't know for sure, but I do know that there are bottom surgeries in scientific journals. Though they are more rare, they do exist. Now, you may be hearing from many people when you tell them, this is very important. I believe the overwhelming majority of Americans would oppose sex change surgery for children. Here's what they've done. They started by saying it's not happening. Now they're saying some of it is happening, but it's a good thing. But no one's getting genital surgery. Soon they'll say that's a good thing. The first thing I heard when I told people this, that Democrats are advocating for this, is no, they aren't, and it's not happening. Here's the New York Times telling you that it is. But more importantly, there's one simple response. Jazz Jennings. That's it. If you go to someone and say, look, the economy is really bad. I'm willing to give Republicans a chance on this one. But when it comes to social issues, I just don't think children, minors, should be getting sex change surgery. And if someone says it's not happening, you say, what do you mean? Jazz Jennings has a TV show. It's like in, on season seven. Jazz Jennings received sex change surgery as a minor. Fact. Not as a 12-year-old, as a 17-year-old, but still as a minor. And be reasonable. I'm not, t- I'm not some count saying she, Jazz was 12, but Jazz was given an implant to block puberty, causing surgical complications. So I just kind of think that's, over, that's, that's just not appropriate. Jazz was three years old when it was determined that Jazz was trans. I'm not convinced three-year-olds understand these concepts. Studies show that around 65 to 90 percent, I believe those are the numbers, of trans youth desist or desist, ultimately saying, you know what, I do align with my biological sex. I don't know, and I'm not a doctor. I'm not here to disparage individuals or, or you know, I, I, I wish them only the best, and I, and I hope we can find a solution to help them. My issue is, in Scandinavian countries, they've ruled out these procedures saying it doesn't work, or they view it as wrong. And thus, I think we should follow the science. Instead, 
We're not getting it. And why? I don't know. Political tribalism, extremism. Well, the New York Times says it is happening. I give you this tweet from Colin Wright. He says before and links to a tweet from Alejandra Caraballo, a trans woman. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five star reviews on Trustpilot, Google and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process and life changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Alejandro Caraballo says, no one is performing surgeries on children. That's a complete lie. WPATH advises against surgeries under 18. Your entire presumption is that trans kids shouldn't exist because they are confused. Trans people are not confused. We know exactly who we are. Now, so that, so actually, let me do this. That first tweet is from March 9th. Interestingly, my birthday. Colin Wright then posts a tweet from today, only a few hours ago, where the same individual says, both sidesism like this is just insane. No one is claiming top surgeries don't happen. We are saying genital surgeries don't happen with minors. In the midst of a moral panic, the New York Times decides to throw fuel on the fire. You can see the shift. On March 9th, they said no one is doing surgeries on minors at all. Now that it's been exposed, they are. They're saying, no, 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 we're not saying that. We're saying genital surgeries. However, Jazz Jennings, as he points out, was a minor who had genital surgery. Look, it's an extreme position. Some people have said this. No one's getting genital surgeries. My response was, okay, well, then let's shut the whole thing down. Just prohibit it and no one has to worry because no one's getting it anyway, right? Uh Uh-oh, crickets. This is an extreme position. The Democrats supporting child sex change surgery is an extreme position. So if the Democrats want to campaign on extremism, I counter with this. If the Democrats are lying about giving sex change surgery to children, I think they're the more extreme ones and we can prove it. In this tweet, Azine Goreshi, who wrote it, says, I wrote about transgender adolescents getting top surgery, how frequently it's really happening, why and what the risks may be. A big reason I wrote this story is because there are a few honest, there are few honest conversations about surgery for trans adolescents happening right now. Conservatives fixate on genital mutilation. On the left, activists have claimed surgeries don't happen. Top surgery does. Okay. Jazz Jennings. This is a story from June 29th, 2018. After gender confirmation surgery, Jazz Jennings says she feels great. She quite literally said that she now has female parts. They go on to mention Jazz was 17, a minor. Jazz received hormonal medication inducing medical sex change at a very young age as a minor. That's it. I mean, that's just the truth. 
I'm not here to make a moral statement about it one way or another. I'm reporting the news right here. Jazz was 17 years old. Now, if you want to argue that 17 year olds are not the same as 12 year olds, by all means, I accept it. But legally, they are a minor. If you want to argue that 17 year olds should be in a special class because they're basically adults and all that stuff, it's like, well, you're still advocating then for a minor to receive a sex change operation. I disagree with this. I think adults, people who are 18, can make decisions about their own lives and bodies if they so choose, however they want to do it. But Jazz was a minor. I believe in it's, a, it's, it's an extreme position. Now, I've had some criticism because whenever I bring this up, these people come out and they say things like, why do you care so much about what kids are doing? It's a small group of people. And I'm like, listen, I actually have stated this several times. Parents should make the decision that they feel is right for their kids. However, we also banned lobotomies. There's a certain point where we're like, these things don't work. I look to the Scandinavian countries like Finland, Sweden, and Denmark that have said, we will no longer allow this. The science shows it doesn't work. At that point, I think it's very important we assess this because we're dealing with people's lives and we're concerned about whether or not these people will be happy and live full lives. But in the end, I throw it to the left. Look, I think climate change is a real problem. And I think what we're seeing here with the left, well, okay. They're either aborting their own kids, they advocate for abortion, okay, or they're sterilizing their kids. Whether the kids are trans or otherwise isn't the point. The point is Jazz will never have children. Jazz has expressed wanting to be a mother, but Jazz cannot reproduce because of puberty blockers. That's it. There's nothing to develop. There's nothing to use. I suppose they could take Jazz's DNA and stem cells and maybe do a cloning process. I'm not entirely sure. For the time being, Jazz does not have the ability to have children. Jazz could adopt and be a mother that way, and that's respectable. But in the end, as the left advocates for not having kids, this is what will happen. From CNBC. Climate change is making people think twice about having children. Okay, well, conservatives don't care for climate change, so they're still having kids. The end result is going to be there will be less people because the left is using birth control, having abortions, and sterilizing their kids. But conservatives aren't, so the future will be conservative. That's just a reality. So I don't understand if, if you believe in parental rights, ultimately, on medical decisions for parents, then... I mean, I have no problem saying I don't agree with sex changes for children, but I'm not the parent, so they're going to make the decision right for their, that's right for their kids. Ultimately, the science will determine whether or not we should allow these procedures, and I think the science is saying we should stop. For the time being, until the law is passed, I don't know if I should have the right or the government should to interfere with what's legal and what the parents are doing for these kids. In the end, I can only say to the left, they should be happy. They're going to have less kids. They're going to sterilize their kids, so I don't see why they should complain. The right Hey, the, the liberals are taking away their ability to have kids. What are you complaining about? I suppose individual rights and liberties. So long as you keep your kids away from the left and you homeschool them, you have nothing to worry about. But in the end, I will say this. The Democrats are in a downward spiral. They're expected to lose because the economy is in the gutter, because crime is through the roof. And if they think they can bank on extremism, sorry, take a look at this. Y'all are extreme. They are. They're trying to paint the right as extreme when the right isn't. Marjorie Taylor Greene is not extreme. Just not. She's conservative. They call Ben Shapiro far right, alt right, white nationalist. He's Jewish. They call me the same thing, or at least they try to. They say things like, I hype. That's what Salon said. He hypes these ideas. What are you talking about? I'm mixed race, you lunatic racists. They're the extreme ones saying garbled nonsense. Mixed race people are white supremacists. They've said that for years, and it makes no sense, and it still makes no sense. They're nuts. I think in the end, 
You go to regular people and you say, who's more extreme? The person who says we should secure our borders or the person who wants to give a child a sex change? I think it's pretty obvious what they're going to say. Like, well, borders are normal. This isn't. I don't agree with that. So here's the point. When I tell people, you know, look, I get it. Trump's kind of off the wall, kind of crazy, but I just can't support a political party that's in favor of sex change for children. They go, that's not happening. That's not ha-. Jazz Jennings. Jazz Jennings was given medical intervention. That's She's on TV. Jazz is a TV show with seven seasons. Come on. It's literally happening. Jazz got hormonal therapies at a young age. Medical sex change. Uh, 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 what is it? Uh, medicinal sex change. I think it's called. Hormonal. And then at 17 years old, got surgical sex change surgery. I just think that's not okay. I'm just not a fan of it. I think we should have lawmakers assess the science, which would ultimately lead them to banning it. And I think the Democrats are supporting it because they're extreme. Because we, we like Scandinavian countries, don't we? What happened? No idea. The left just disagrees with Sweden all of a sudden, huh? Sure. Sure. As to Nancy Pelosi, maybe this is part of the reason why they're all booing you. I think a lot of the booing came from Bernie Sanders leftists, mind you. They don't like corporate Democrats. And I think some of it is from people who are more moderate. So ultimately, just everybody hates Pelosi. There you go. Congratulations. I don't know who's going to win. It's looking like Republicans. We will see. Next segment is coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all then. Bill Gates says political polarization may bring it all to an end and could even lead to a civil war. Now, the headline is fascinating, but the quote is actually a bit more definitive than that. The quote is, political polarization may bring it all to an end. We are going to have a hung election and a civil war, he told Forbes recently. He didn't say maybe in that quote. He said we are going to have a hung election and a civil war. I don't disagree. Most of you know that I don't disagree. But it's fascinating because I'm called crazy years ago for saying basically this. And now Bill Gates, respected medical expertise, respected for his medical expertise, Bill Gates coming out and saying there's going to be a civil war. For those that don't know the context, I'll explain. And for those that do, please just bear with me for 10 seconds. Several years ago, about four years ago, an article was published where they interviewed several national security experts. This was either Atlantic or New York Mag or something. They said, based on their assessment of history in other countries, there was a 30% chance to a 90% chance of civil war happening in the United States. You take a look back at the election of Donald Trump, the street violence, the escalation of violence, And I've thought for some time now, like we really are walking into civil war territory. I've read up on the civil war and not all of it, but a decent amount. And uh, yeah, I think we're knocking on the door and I don't think the knock can be unknocked. The bell can't be unrung. There you go. That's that's how I say it. So I said this back in like 2018, but it wasn't me being like, I, Tim Pool, have seen things and think it's happening. It was more like, whoa, look at this article with respected professionals saying it might happen. That's crazy. I've seen some stuff that suggests that may be the case. And where have we gone since then? I mean, the summer of love, the 529 insurrection, they set fire to a guard post at the White House and the president was forced in a bunker. 90 plus days of firebombing a federal facility. And you get January 6th. Yes, it was bad. I know not everybody on January 6th was smashing, you know, through and trying to fight cops, but those people were there. Not like they were, you know, they, they want to claim that there was like some planned insurrection. I kind of roll my eyes like, dude, 
These guys could have brought weapons they didn't bring. Anyway, here we are now with Bill Gates coming out and saying as such. And it's getting crazy. I want to reference a few things said by a few prominent individuals, notably Scott Adams and Bill Burr. I've commented on the Bill Burr thing several times already. Bill Burr says people aren't as divided as you think. Just go outside. Laughably ignorant. And Scott Adams echoed something similar. Now, Scott, to his credit, has actually been right about a lot of things. So his take is interesting. But he still said something that I find to be incorrect. He said that there won't be a civil war because nobody wants to fight their neighbor. And then someone said, what's your source? And he said, walking outside. My first response before we read into Bill Gates' uh, comments, and then we'll go through all these other quotes. I want to shout out to Scott. You know, he's got another tweet where he said Republicans will be hunted. My question is, how do you reconcile Republicans will be hunted with there won't be a civil war? It's possible in that Republicans get hunted and then roll over and become hunted. That's it. I think Scott actually makes an interesting point. Bill is wrong when he says that people aren't as divided or hateful as you think. Scott's wrong. I'm sorry. Scott's right in that. Yeah, I don't think conservatives want to fight anybody. And it won't be a civil war in that context because, well, it'll be a revolution. Authoritarian, the authoritarian left is increasingly gaining power the, and, and they're using violence to do it. The right doesn't want to do that. And, you know, to, to a certain degree, rightly so. We don't want civil war. We don't want violence. But we need law enforcement to hold the left accountable when they engage in it. But they've weaponized the DOJ against the right, against conservatives. I mean, we have a story right now that even, again, Scott Adams tweeted out, FBI agents lied to a judge to seize private property from a bank. I mean, it's absolutely insane, the story. Something like that. I think it was safety deposit boxes. So maybe, maybe it won't be a civil war. It'll be a revolution. But either way, I think there's something inherently wrong with both of these concepts. The idea that during the first civil war, like um, imagine someone in Atlanta, it's like 1861 and it's like it's January 1861 and some guy walks out of his house in, in Atlanta and he goes, I hear him in the South, a slave owning state. And I'm so angry, I'm going to fight my neighbor. And then he knocks on his neighbor's door and says, Ooh, we're going to fight. Is that what people think the civil war was like? Dude, people in their own cities aren't fighting each other. That's not what happened. What happened is people from other states and people from these states were yelling and rabbling and then soldiers came. Now, I'm not convinced that's going to happen. But what we've been seeing consistently so far is that people from one area go to another. So we'll get into all that stuff. But first, let me just read to you what Bill Gates is saying. Insider reports, Bill Gates usually focus on issues like poverty and infectious diseases through his charitable foundation. But another problem on his mind is the polarization in the U.S. Quote, I admit that political polarization may bring it all to an end. We are going to have a hung election and a civil war. OK, he just literally said it. He said it's definitive. OK, I have no ex expertise in that. I'm not going to divert my money to that because I wouldn't know how to spend it. Bill, 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 let me help you out here. It's easy. You got a lot of money. All right. Here's what you do. Find a corporate laundromat, a big one. All right. And then in the back under one of the machines, you've got to bring in some guys from Germany and then have them dig underneath. It's a tough process and you're going to have to do it only in the dead of night. You have to set up. A, how many of you have seen Better Call Saul? Okay, I watched Breaking Bad. Now I'm watching that. So that's where my mind is. But anyway, my joke here is actually Bill, build a bunker or buy a bunker or buy farm. Oh, wait a minute. Bill Gates is buying copious amounts of farmland. In fact, Bill Gates is the largest owner of farmland in the U.S. I wonder why that might be. 
Bill says, I have a lot of money and I don't know how to spend it. A civil war is coming. Also, I've bought more farmland than anyone else in the country. Yeah. Yeah, I think Bill knows what's going on. And I think he's hedging his bets. Let me repeat that for you. Bill Gates is now coming out saying we we are going to have a hung election. We are going to have a civil war. And then he says, I'm not going to, you know, divert money in that direction. By the way, I bought a bunch of farmland. Makes you think, huh? You know, look, people who have the ability to to build systems or generate revenue to such a degree, I have to say that I think their ability to predict things is better than others. That's basically how it works. Bill Gates says, if I do X, I will get Y. And he turns out to be correct more often than he's incorrect. So when Bill Gates comes out and says there's going to be a civil war, I go, OK. And then when you look back at all the farmland he bought, you go, OK, all right, I'm going to buy some farmland and try and figure out what that's all about. He says, the polarization and lack of trust is a problem. One of the best selling books last year was a book by Robert Kennedy saying that I like to that, that I like to make money and kill millions of people with vaccines. It's wild. That sells well. I actually agree with Bill Gates. I'm not a big fan of the guy. I think he's kooky, but it is crazy when you have a book saying that he, he, he you know, Bill Gates is trying to kill a bunch of people. Now, here's the point. It doesn't matter if you like Bill Gates or don't like Bill Gates. The fact is Robert Kennedy is going to write a book about Bill Gates in such a way. Bill's going to see that. You're going to have two factions. Technically, you have substantially more, but you have two opposing forces with disparate factions that all disagree with each other. That's what matters. You will say, you know what, Bill Gates, I don't like you. Someone may agree with Robert Kennedy. And that's what you get. You'll get polarization, fighting. Over the years, Gates and ex-wife Melinda French Gates have donated billions to vaccine research, development, blah, blah, blah. It's a conspiracy theory. People seek simple solutions, and the truth is kind of boring sometimes. Anybody who's got good innovations on reducing polarization, getting the truth to be as interesting as the crazy stuff, that would be well worth investing in. Bill, 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 Bill. In 2015, Hillary Clinton and the Democrats started this uh, insane narrative about Donald Trump and Russia. And uh, it persisted in 2016, 2017, 2018, and I think what into 2019 as well, right? It was fake. These people live in a crackpot deluded reality. So you want to come out and be like, these people believe crazy things about vaccines. Yeah, okay, dude. The other side thinks Donald Trump was secretly working for the Soviet Union. Let me, let me, let me spell that out for you. I'm not kidding. Jonathan Chait goes on MSNBC and says, Trump may have been a Russian asset since the 80s. Yeah, that's the Soviet era, dude. Okay, he's just one guy, fine. But they genuinely were like, Vladimir Putin's controlling this country. That's insane. It's just such a wild, far-fetched theory. It's crazy. But you have your QAnon, you have your BlueAnon, and people are primed for insanity. Gates' summer reading list for this year, which he announced in June, includes why we're polarized by Ezra Klein. And Ezra Klein is also polarized, so spare me. I'm generally optimistic about the future. But one thing that dampens my outlook a bit is the increasing polarization in America, especially when it comes to politics. Gates wrote at the the time in a blog post about his his book picks. During the Forbes keynote conversation, Gates said that he and his ex-wife, Melinda, hope to keep their charitable foundation running 25 years more to focus on infectious diseases, blah, blah, blah. I I don't care. I don't care. Look, the point is, Bill Gates is just another person to come out, say there's going to be a civil war. But I'll put it this way. If you're on the left... You know, the liberals, they're probably like, Bill Gates is right. Donald Trump supporters tried storming the, you know, the Congress, the Capitol building, and shutting down the uh, certification of the election. So they believe, if you're on the right, I know what most of you think about Bill Gates, Luke, Rutkowski, 
We are change. We know exactly what you think about Bill Gates. And when he's saying this, what do you think his intentions are? Certainly not good ones. The Civil War was, I believe, the bloodiest battle in U.S. history. So I have to wonder about what their intentions may be. You know what? Outside of that, don't know, don't care. Let's take a step back from Bill Gates. Fine. He thinks there may be a civil war. Scott Adams disagrees. Scott Adams says there won't be a civil war in the United States, not even close. There is no appetite for it outside Twitter imagination. Well, okay. Why bring up Scott? Because of this tweet. Bob in SoCal tweets two things. One, Scott Adams says was prophetic. Two, the reply didn't age well. And he links to a tweet from Scott Adams on 7-1-2020 saying Republicans will be hunted. And this guy below him says officially jumps the shark. The reason why this tweet is important as a primer is that a man in North Dakota got in his car, chased down some kid who called his mom saying he was being followed by a guy and the guy then rammed and killed him. The guy claims the kid was threatening him and trying to call his friends and he was part of a Republican extremist group. Now, it may not be the reason why he did that it was political, but that seems to be the narrative that's, that's persistent, that this guy was drunk. He was drunk. He was paranoid and delusional and thought some 18 year old kid was calling a gang of MAGA Republicans to come get him or something. And he said the kid was part of a Republican extremist group. There's no evidence of that. But he killed this kid. He killed the kid. You also have the story of Aaron Danielson, who was walking down the street in Portland when a guy with a big old Black Lives Matter tattoo put two in his chest, killing him. There's a couple of stories. But we also have videos like Blair White put on a MAGA hat and walked around L.A. and got attacked. I bring this up first, and then I go to Scott Adams' tweet where he says there won't be a civil war in the United States. Not even close. There's no appetite for it outside of Twitter imagination. Let's read some responses, and then I'll address why I believe Scott is wrong on this point. Stephen Douglas says there are also not two split militaries, each loyal to an opposing side. Let's correct the record on that one. The United States Civil War is unique in terms of global civil wars, historical civil wars. For instance, in Spain, it was pockets of nationalists and uh, what was it? It was it, uh, um, so communists and nationalists. And it wasn't like all of a sudden the country fractured between two lines. They were pockets. Cities went one way, rural areas went another, and the people who knew how to fight took over. So it's not always that way. You can take a look at the fighting in the Bolshevik Revolution was some kind of civil war. But when one side is just horribly outmanned, it becomes a revolution. You can take a look at Weimar, Germany. Two factions were fighting. Was it ultimately a civil war? Not really. But the communists lost. The, fa- the, the Nazi party won and took over. This is, it, it, it's, it's, it, how about this? Syria. The Syrian civil war was not the, the uh, Assad regime versus the you know, anti-Assad coalition. It was like 12 different factions, some of whom hated each other. In the early days, there were many secularist factions fighting against Assad. And then there was these Islamists, which ultimately become ISIS. This idea that a civil war requires two split militaries marching towards each other is absurd. But it is one element that could precipitate a civil war. One person responded, what evidence would you need to see to change your mind on this? Uh, do you think it's possible if uh, what he says of do you think it's possible? I said uh, of do you think it's possible if principle due to the high propensity of the U.S. society, i.e. I- almost no incentive for people to engage in war? Scott says we're too mixed by neighborhood, even household. It isn't possible in any scenario. Now, this is a very similar comment to what uh, both of these to what Bill Bill Maher said a while ago. He said there won't be a civil war in this country because the Mason Dixon line would go through Nana's kitchen. Right. 
as if all civil wars always require a Mason-Dixon line. This is what people don't get. When you live in this world where your only understanding of history is American history, you are confused about what can and even has happened and what is normal. Normal civil wars around the world are not two opposing factions splitting and then clashing with each other on some Mason-Dixon line. Civil wars typically are disparate factions fighting and control of government falling, government losing confidence in its people. There's more, though. This person, Joshua, says, yep, just go to a Walmart or a Starbucks. Ain't nobody there fighting anyone for anything. Except for the last pack of donuts, says one guy. Here's one. Uh, let's get this one. Major Kong says, your source? And Scott Adams says, walking outside. I love to read these because, you know, when I started reading about civil war and seeing people say the U.S. is headed towards it, the first thing I did was I looked into civil war. I watched a few documentaries of the Spanish Civil War, and I went, wow, these are interesting points from national security experts. Then we get the Twitterati and conservative personalities as well as liberal personalities being like, eh, it can never happen. Just walk outside. Which brings me back to the first point I made early on. I'd like you to imagine the good city of Atlanta in 1860. Let's just say, you know, 1861 is when it all starts. Abraham Lincoln gets elected in 1860, and then he's inaugurated March of 1861. Before that, several states already secede from the Union upon knowing what, you know, Abraham Lincoln's all about. Abraham Lincoln then declares secession to be illegal. And he, a uh, conflict emerges, the first battle, of course, being Fort Sumter. The uh, South said, South Carolina said, get out of our state. He said, not going to happen. And fighting breaks out. Several states then say, yo, what is going on? And they secede immediately. Some slave states actually join the union. Yeah, that's that's one way things could happen. But I'd like you to imagine now in the good city of Atlanta, 1860, a guy, as I mentioned early on, walks out of his house and he's sitting there and he's going, I'm just so angry at everybody. And then he sees a random lady walking on the street and he goes, you, I'm mad at you. And he runs up and he punches her in the face. Okay, it's an absurd scenario, right? All right, let's slow down. Let's make it a little bit more realistic. A guy in Atlanta walks outside and he goes, ooh, these dang Yankee Northerners. Oh, I'm so angry. I want to punch one in the face. And then his neighbor walks out and goes, ooh, I'm so angry too, because I'm also a Southerner who's not a Yankee. Like, why would there be in Southern cities a bunch of Yankees and, 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 and what's, what, what is that, what, Northerners and Southerners? Why would they be mixed up in the city going outside and just boxing each other in the street? If you're going to claim that civil war is predicated upon two armies marching towards each other and two split factions, what makes you think inside any of those factions they were mixed? I think it's just absolutely insane. So no, it's no wonder that a liberal New Yorker walks outside and surprise, surprise, there's no Trump supporters in sight. Now it's possible. There were people in the South sympathetic to the North, people in the North sympathetic to the South. It's possible and, and nay true that in cities like New York, you have conservatives and Trump supporters. Lo and behold, they don't go outside wearing MAGA hats or Trump shirts for the most part because they get attacked when they do. Which brings me to the main point. Scott, I think you've been right about a lot of things. On this point, I would say this. Walk outside with a MAGA hat on, waving a Trump flag in Portland, or I think you might be in Los Angeles. Walk around LA. Blair White did it. Blair White got attacked, I think, several times. A guy was shot and killed in Portland, and even you yourself said Republicans will be hunted. But maybe, maybe there won't be a civil war, not because people aren't, you know, going to fight, but because the right will do nothing. The summer of love, the insurrection at the White House, the weaponization of the DOJ, the left has been steamrolling, just doing whatever they wanted. 
What we need is a major midterm victory. And that's what they're scared of. Shout out to Bill Burr. We got a few more things to go through. Bill Burr shares blunt message about Americans being divided. He says they're not. On trigonometry, he just says America's not as divided as people on the internet think. Bill Burr, I, I implore you. You know what? You know what I did? I went to a small town, Front Royal, Virginia. Go there. Go to any small town. I go to a cafe on the wall, Bible study, Bible verses. I went to a chicken restaurant. They give you little crosses on the tables. It's beautiful, delicious food. Yes, in these areas, it is the inverse. You go to a city, you see pride flags with the, with the triangles in them, the updated one. You go to the country, you see crosses. These are disparate ideologies that cannot coexist. You go into cities, you will see as you, as you slowly move out of the cities where these things start to coincide, where they start to clash. And what do you get? Chick-fil-A being protested. Not all the time, not always. There may not be a civil war, perhaps, but I don't see any reason why these ideologies are going to simmer down and come together. We asked, um, it was Nick Palmishano came on the show uh, last Friday, and he said there wasn't going to be a civil war. It's just people on the internet talking about it. And I'm like, okay, um, have things escalated for the worse in the past 10 years? And he's like, well, yeah, like who could deny that? With the DOJ going after Trump and Bannon and arresting Trump supporters, 40 subpoenas, of course, it's gotten worse. Has there been an escalation in violence? Well, yes, of course. Has there been a breakdown in the economy and in crime? Well, yeah, of course. Did the president himself go on TV and say half the country are extremists? Well, well, yeah. I mean, the president coming out and saying MAGA Republicans are an extreme threat to this country, but not the majority of Republicans, just the MAGA ones, which actually is the majority of the Republican Party. They're an extremist threat. Well, yeah, that happened. I mean, that's unprecedented. Okay. Did a guy get in a truck and run over a kid partly because the kid was a Republican extremist? Well, yeah, I mean, that happened. Did a guy in Provo, Utah, run up to a random car and shoot him? Well, yeah, that happened. Did a guy in Portland get shot twice in the chest by a guy with a communist? Yeah, it all happened. And it keeps happening. Tell me one thing to, to signal that it is de-escalating. Just one thing. There isn't one. Because every step of the way, we keep hearing more. And we keep hearing people who, who don't know what's going on being like, nothing's going to happen. Nobody's fighting. That's Bill Burr. As I explained it, we hear on, in the news, we read the news all day, every day. We watch, we listen. So the metaphor is that we stand atop this great watchtower. And there are people all at the base of that tower. And there's forest and buildings and celebrations and beer and mead. And everybody's celebrating. Having a good old life and working and everything's great. But atop the tower off in the distance, what can we see? There are people fighting. Over there, a guy just got shot and killed. Over there, a truck just rammed an 18-year-old kid. Over there, the king's men are laying siege to a small city, ransacking and arresting people. And over here, there's two flags forming. And then I say, okay, the fighting's been getting worse. We've been standing up here watching it all just get worse and worse and worse. And so we look down and go, and we go, Hark, good sir, it appears the fighting is getting worse and may come this way. And Bill Burr, standing down at the ground, unable to see anything on the distance, just, just trees and buildings, goes, what are you talking about? There's nobody fighting anywhere. My neighbor right here. We're fine. And I'm like, yes, yes, but up here we can see fighting everywhere. Everywhere. Escalating. Down there at the ground, they're like, what'd you get beer? 
What are you talking about? This guy over here says he's a liberal. We're fine. And I'm like, OK. Maybe the fighting won't come here. Another way to put it is we're on top of tower and we can see the clouds and the storm rolling in. And the guy down there says, I don't see any clouds. I don't see anything. I think you're crazy. And I say, it's all right there and it's getting bigger. The storm has been getting worse and bigger and it's slowly moving our way. But hey, it could turn and go the other direction. And you know what happens then? People like Bill Burr down on the ground go, see, and no storm ever came. You were wrong. Why should we listen to you? And I'm like, you know, maybe the storm doesn't come. But I just I think it's so fascinating. You have stories like this. From the LA Times, FBI agents drilled and pried their way into 1,400 safe deposit boxes. 18 months later, newly unsealed court documents show the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office in L.A. got their warrant for that raid by misleading the judge who approved it. Just one story. We know the FBI has been targeting Trump supporters. We know that they've gone after Trump himself. And there are. There may be criminal indictments against the former president. Unprecedented. We know that they've lied, cheated, and, and, and stolen their way through uh, the, the criminal investigation of Donald Trump with Russiagate, with Ukraine Gate, They're going after Bannon, Peter Navarro. They're trying to stop Trump from being able to run. They've literally disqualified this guy. It was Coy Griffin has been disqualified from holding office by a court under the 14th Amendment. Civil war territory, civil war amendments being used against sitting politicians. They tried to get rid of Marjorie Taylor Greene and failed. They are trying everything in their power to prevent duly elected people from being duly elected. What makes you think it's getting better? So maybe, maybe you can walk outside and nobody's fighting. But just think about how absurd that is, that you think in the Civil War, people in New York are running outside going, oh, I'm so angry about those slave owners. I'm going to go punch a person who agrees with me. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. You can't believe that civil war is predicated upon two disparate factions clashing towards the Mason-Dixon line. We'll also claim that neighbors should be fighting one another because that's what civil war is all about. It's not. It's never been. There's always regional political values. Look at the Spanish Civil War. In some pockets, it was communist. In some pockets, it was nationalist. And maybe there's sympathy in some of these areas, like I said. But they ain't going to come out and expose themselves, are they? So who do you fight? How many people in New York City, and we talk about it all the time, how many people in liberal cities are coming out and saying, I support Trump and think wokeness is bad? They're not speaking up. That's part of the problem. And they say, because if they do, they'll get fired. They'll get ostracized. So what's happening? They're fleeing California. They're fleeing New York. And the numbers don't lie. They're rushing to Florida and Texas. So yes, you say, I go outside and nobody wants to fight because people are fleeing. Yeah, nobody wants to fight. No, no, no Trump supporter wants to go outside waving their Trump flag to get beat up. I mean, maybe there's some masochistic guy or guy who wants to fight. Fine. But for the most part, regular people are fleeing. So I guess we'll see. Who's right? Is it Bill Gates? Maybe it's Bill Gates. Huh? You know, he's new to the party on saying civil war is coming, but fine. I would love to be wrong. I would love to have confirmation bias. I would love to read any story at any point suggesting that things are going to get better. I want them to get better. I, 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 I imagine the luxury of just sitting on the beach and, and watching the waves and going surfing. Maybe we'll go this weekend. But the reality is every day I wake up and I see stories like this and I say to myself, can't can't there be something else? Can't we just go back to watching football and just arguing over petty nonsense? No, we can't. Because a culture is forming. Culture is formed. Salon. 
They wrote about Only Ever Wanted, my song. Check out Only Ever Wanted on Spotify. Listen. And it was funny because they were like, the whole article's about me. But they use Ben Shapiro's picture, and they say Tim Pool and Ben Shapiro, blah, blah, blah. And then the song just claims that Only Ever Wanted is political. It's completely apolitical. And then they took an obvious gag tweet from me and claimed it was real. Why? Because they want war. Not that they literally want to fight each other. But when, you know, people say like, oh, there's no appetite for civil war. You need to understand this simple fact. Why did Salon take a tweet from me? I said, the success of Only Ever Wanted proves that people have a powerful hunger for emo music, but the corporatist globalist elite are preventing it from happening. No, I don't literally think that there's a cabal of globalists being like, no emo music. That was the joke. But they act like it's real. Why? They have to. Because their tribe dictates you must oppose and hate. Now, me, I don't think you have to. If someone, you know, Mark Ruffalo does a good job as the Hulk, I'm down. That's fine. I think his politics are horrible. Chris Evans, I think, does great in the Marvel movies. Big fan. Think his politics are trash. I have no problem separating art from the artist. I think their politics are bad. But you take a look at these people and they're like, nope. Tim Pool's song that is completely apolitical in every way, which hit number two on iTunes, and uh, charted on bill hit number two on Billboard, which is better than iTunes. Number two on Billboard, meaning all different platforms. They're like, no, it's bad. People people are only listening it to own the libs. And I'm like, the song's not political in any way. Like, you don't listen to that song and be like, haha. And here's the other thing. Yeah, we did a lot of sales from people who are like, we want to promote culture that's not woke. But on Spotify, it's got like 140,000 hits in a month. And we're, I'm not a major label artist with a big following in music. A Will of the People's got half a million. Both have millions of hits on YouTube. And leftists even said they liked my song, Will of the People, until they found out it was from me. That is a big reason why I think we are heading for a civil war. It's not about Twitter. It's about people in cities who are marching in lockstep with people who are outside of these cities. When someone says, I really like this music, and then Hassan Piker goes, it's Tim Pool. They go, oh, no, no, I don't like it. It's like, okay, if you have to hate something for no reason other than it's the opposing tribe, that's when you enter civil war. Which brings me to Joe Biden. When he comes out and says, when Biden comes out and says civil war, I'm, not, I'm sorry, not civil war. When he comes out and says half the country are extremists, I'm like, I think he's leading us towards that civil war. That's it. He says half the country are extremists. What next? I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. The times there are changing, my friends. Saturday Night Live may be over. Recently, Kenan Thompson, one of the longest-serving cast members on the show, said this could be the end. And now we're hearing that eight actors have exited right before the premiere. It's funny. There's an op-ed that says they can't help but make fun of Trump, and it's going to be the exact same moving into the 2022 winter season. But Donald Trump isn't president. He hasn't been president in nearly two years. And this is it. I don't necessarily want to say get woke, go broke, but it's kind of a get woke. Well, it is a get woke, go broke, but not overtly. Right. It's in that space of tribal leftism where they're like, no matter what Trump does, he's the bad guy, even when he's not. And we're going to beat people over the head, just saying it over and over and over again. Eventually, people get tired of it. Eventually, people just be like, uh, they're going to be like, I don't want to watch this show, but it's all they have. 
They're getting crazy. They're getting crazed. They're getting scared. So uh, now I have this article from Salon, and it's like Tim Pool and Ben Shapiro think that politics is downstream from culture. They're wrong, but they're right. Oh, we'll talk all about that. They wrote an article basically ragging on me for releasing a song, but they used Ben Shapiro's photo because they know nobody cares to read an article about me, especially a song that's not political, but they claim it's political. Why? They're losing their grip. This is the big story. The cultural establishment is crumbling before our eyes. And it's right here. The monolith that is SNL is crumbling. And the only thing they have going for them is making fun of Trump. But at what point is it just like, dude, I don't care about Donald Trump anymore, especially with Ron DeSantis dominating the headlines. This past weekend, I went to the mall and at the mall, I went to Hot Topic. The weekend before, I also went to a mall and or it was a couple weeks ago, and I noticed something interesting about Hot Topic. In the windows at these malls, they have the Nightmare Before Christmas. And I'm thinking to myself, that's a 30 year old movie. I mean, I loved it when I was a kid, but now it's relevant in a mall store. And I walked in and what do we see? Everything's Nightmare Before Christmas. And then on the wall, Blink-182 t-shirts. It's like, okay, dude, that was 20 years ago. That shirt, no joke, I was 12. Blink-182. No disrespect, whatever, you know, they had their day. Green Day, corn. And I'm like, is who is Hot Topic selling merchandise to? 45-year-old dudes wearing corn shirts? I mean, if, if you were like 18 or 19 in 1994 or 5, listening to this music, you're like a middle-aged dude, and you're going to be like, I'm going to go to Hot Topic and buy my gear. Granted, in the front, they did have a bunch of anime stuff. Death Note is still a bit old. I mean, Death Note is even, what, 15 years? You know, but they had stuff like Attack on Titan. Fine, I can respect that. It's a bit newer, a bit. But I'm like, this store ultimately is just really old. And you know what I thought? Back when our culture was dominated by SNL, this is, this is, this is really important. Saturday Night Live was the paramount of pop culture. Not like maybe the most important, but substantial. Big name actors would appear as, as the hosts and music would be, you know, musical guests would play. And that's what people determined was cool. You had your late night shows and then you had your Saturday Night Live. And all of those were beaming down to the masses what was popular. So we had a unified culture, a popular culture. There is no popular culture anymore. The reason why Hot Topic can sell all of this really old stuff. It's because of the internet. You see, before, you'd turn the TV on, and they would be like, shiny new thing is the cool thing, and you should buy it. These days, if I'm a fan of The Nightmare Before Christmas, I have no reason to change my tastes, because I can go online and find a community talking about The Nightmare Before Christmas, sharing these ideas, and wearing these clothes. Back in the day, the movie would be on TV for a little while, and then not be on TV anymore. I mean, like the late night shows, the actors, the producers, the celebrities, and they'd move on 20 plus million people per channel, all watching the same thing, wanting to be cool, wanting to fit in. But now it's all different. SNL is the perfect example of how they've they've lost control. The establishment culture is gone. There is no pop culture. SNL was a big show, but now nobody wants to be on it. And the only thing they had to sell people was Donald Trump. And he's gone. I mean, he's still around doing his thing. But that's my point. SNL doing a show about Donald Trump, and they've done it even this year, is akin 
to walking into a mall store and seeing 30-year-old t-shirts and movies. And at some point, I'm just like, this stuff still sells? I mean, obviously, if Hot Topic is still open, people are buying Blink-182 t-shirts. To me, that's crazy. But I guess I get it. People in the 90s wearing Pink Floyd, they were still around. But this is it. Here's a story from the New York Post. Let's talk about getting woke and going broke and where we go from here. Because it's not just get woke, go broke. I don't, I don't want to just say that. It's the way that we consume media is changing. And then I want to show you how terrified they are with this article about me and Ben Shapiro. And you know what? This Amanda Marcotte, she's not completely wrong in what the Daily Wire and what Timcast are doing. But she's wrong in her assessment. You see, the reason they write an article like this about us is because they're genuinely scared. And the reason they write Ben Shapiro, even though the entire article is just about me, passively about Ben, is because nobody's going to click an article about me. Nobody cares. You know, Ben is a staunch conservative. They can rag on him. But what do they have to complain about what I say? They try. They make things up. But it's the best they can do. Let's start here. SNL's end. Middle age is no joke, writes the New York Post. As Saturday Night Live has its 50th birthday on the horizon, the show premieres season 48 on October 1st. Some are wondering if the years have taken a toll. Seven of the main cast members have left. You've got Pete Davidson, Chris Redd, Kate McKinnon, Kyle Mooney, A.D. Bryant, Melissa Villa, I don't even know who these people are, Villa Center, and Alex Moffat. Featured player Aristotle Atari is also gone, while Cecily Strong, who seemed to suggest on last season's finale that she was out, will be returning. As of press time, only four replacements have been announced. Meanwhile, several large questions loom over the show. Where does it go from here? What happens when creator Lauren Michaels, now 77, retires? And when will that be? And has the show lost its youthful buzz with tabloid favorite Davidson? Famous for his romantic life, Kim Kardashian, Ariana Grande, yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. Keep Feuds, Kanye West, and blah, blah, blah. There's nothing here. That's it. Multiple sources told The Post the decision not to replace everyone is calculated. As the large size of the last year's cast, 16 repertory players plus five future cast members was actually hurting it. Their cast last year got to be pretty sizable. But what my understanding from Lauren was, during COVID, everyone wanted to stay together. It's unusual they had a, such a large cast, said a TV industry source. One thing I had heard is that there were so many people last season that they weren't able to feature people in the way they wanted to. Now, Michaels has to develop, has got to develop new people. Okay, 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 sure. Uh, McKinnon was leaving, blah, blah, blah. Who's his 80? Bryant is one of several departing cast members who already had a busy career. I think they're apparently bringing out like a non-binary person who is, I mean, I think just discernibly biologically female. They say, as usual, SNL casting executives arranged showcase auditions in various cities, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just think SNL's over. I just think nobody cares. I think their ratings are in the gutter. And I think this. Take a look at this from CNN. Bill Carter writes, the reason SNL is so hilarious again, less Trump. Oh, Saturday, December 18th, 2021. That's right. Less Trump. We were tired of hearing about Donald Trump. I want to hear about it. Okay. Well, good for them, right? They finally decided to stop talking about Donald Trump. Uh Uh-oh. September 9th, 2022. From Bill Carter again. SNL couldn't avoid satirizing Donald Trump before. The new season won't be any different. This is amazing. He writes, I have to believe that Lorne Michaels is just a bit frustrated by the timing of the 48th season premiere. Why? He won't be able to satire, the, or he says, because the FBI raided the home of a president, happens to be Donald Trump. 
They're not able to respond with quick satirical skit featuring FBI agents, subpoenas, box of evidence, acronyms, security footage, exiled, expired passports, special masters, magistrates, Trump appointed judges, redactions, padlocked basement doors, telepathic declassifications, piles and piles of secret documents, and unreturned library books. Instead, the show will have to wait. Oh, it's remarkable. Jimmy Kimmel comes out and he's like, Donald Trump thinks he's psychic and declassified things with his brain. How does the president declassify things? Does he like pray to the Lord to do it? Is there some higher astro uh, astrological being by which the president must consult with? We're humans. The president is the commander in chief. He determines if it's classified or not. So, yes, with his mind, he can say this is not classified anymore and just send it out. It's insane. But anyway, Bill Carter makes two funny points almost a year apart that the show's funny because of no Trump. And now they're upset because they want more. You know what? You're right. Get woke, go broke. Make a joke, please. But instead, SNL is just going to regurgitate, regurgitate anti-Trump garbage. Let me tell you, my friends. Saturday Night Live was never funny. Yeah, that's it. It was never funny. And these people seem to think like, remember when SNL was funny? No, I don't. I don't remember when it was funny. I remember when there were like cultural references people would make about like fat guy in a little coat or living in a van down by the river. But I, I, I never I when I was little, I watched it just like, I don't know, I was too young to get those jokes. And then when I got older, it wasn't funny. You know what was funny? Chappelle's show. Chappelle's show was very funny. But SNL, I guess there's some stuff you could say was funny. I mean, they've had some funny stuff. But what I mean to say is we romanticize what it is. It was a cultural icon. Every Saturday, you'd have a celebrity host and you'd have some band play. And that was it. And you want to act like the skits were funny? Sure. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We over at TimCast.com are going to be producing culture. We're going to be challenging the machine. We're going to be breaking through the noise. Keenan Thompson says SNL could be ending. Slash 2022 cast. Maybe, he's, what does he say? He's, maybe 50 years. Is a, 50 years is a good year to stop it. Well, Okay. Keenan, man, he was on all that. And then he joined SNL and he's been there basically forever. Maybe he gets it. Kate McKinnon and Pete Davidson are leaving. What are they going to do? I don't know. Who cares? SNL is lame anyway. I didn't watch it. Maybe you did. The ratings were dropping dramatically. I bring you now to what we are doing. Salon.com writes, the right loves to say politics is downstream from culture, but on the right, the opposite is true. Tim Pool's music and Ben Shapiro's movies. No one would consume this stuff if not to own the liberals. That's just, it's funny. And it's only half true. It's only half true. Ben Shapiro's movies. They made movies. Some of them are completely apolitical. People watch the movies. In fact, there was a very funny meme where a leftist watched, I think it was Run, Hide, Fight. And they were like, I just saw this really good movie. It's called Run, Hide, Fight. And then someone responded with, that's Ben Shapiro's movie. And they went, oh my God, I can't believe I watched Ben Shapiro's movie. I'm so sorry. Yeah, uh-oh. Leftists watched it and liked it. Will of the people. They put music in quotes. Yeah, it's got like 2.3 million hits on YouTube, half a million on Spotify. I'm not going to pretend to be like Adele or anything, like a big prominent band with billions of views. No, I think, what do we get here? Like Tim Guess, we get like 60, 60 million hits per month, unique, uh, uh, 60 million viewers per month. I have to check the actual numbers to see how it breaks down. But, And then you look at some of these bands 
And uh, so I, we here at TimCast, just, just my show, just Tim Pool Daily and TimCast IRL is hitting about 60 million per month. In 2020, we were doing about 120 million. And boy, were they freaking out. You look at some of these big bands and they get like 16 to 20 million plays of their music. So as a political force, we're substantially larger. I put out one video and it gets a quarter million views in 12 hours. Most of these songs, you, they, they put them out, most music, and they'll 100,000 in the first week. But then eventually, because music has more longevity over time, the single song can end up with 100 million views. That I can respect. It's a different medium. So here's what we did. Started making music. Why? You know, there's a, there's a band that I really like, and they have um, on their page a bunch of propaganda. It's like, you know, pro, pro-choice pro propaganda, BLM propaganda. And I'm just like, I wonder if the lead singer really does believe this stuff. We had a band on called Adelita's Way. You may have heard of them because uh, they've had several radio hits. Now, to, to be honest, you know, they had a bunch of hits in the early 2010s, huge ones, number ones. They had two different number ones, Adelita's Way. And then they had a bunch of like rock charting songs, alternative rock and things like that. And uh, they, they, they've certainly played the circuit. We just saw them play at the Blue Ridge Rock Fest. It was crazy. These guys really are talented guys. And um, the cr- crowd's going nuts. There's like a thousand plus people just like standing up in front of the thing. I was, it was crazy to watch. And they said, you know, they'd wake up and their manager would be like, you're posting this, you're posting that. And they'd be like, okay, I guess, you know. And sometimes it was like weird activism stuff. That's the thing. Politics is downstream from culture. I just watched another video. It was um, uh, Haley Williams, Paramore. And she's like laying on the ground and she's telling people to go register to vote. I don't know where it's from. I, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know where they post this stuff. I just saw it on Instagram. And she's like, make sure you register to vote. And I'm like, that's it right there. I know this because I actually did voter registration for uh, uh, I was at I work for a nonprofit. The, the guys running it said, who wants to go see Death Cab for Cutie? And I was like, yo, Death Cab is one of my favorite bands. In fact, it was my favorite band in like the mid 2000s. Could play all their songs, had all their CDs. And so when they were like, you're going to go to the show, backstage pass to register people to vote. I was like, sign me up. And I had a stack of papers and I walked around handing them out, telling people how to register to vote. And then afterwards, I got to meet the band. It was really cool. I saw him in the hallway and I was like, dudes, I'm a huge fan. You guys are amazing. And got to talk to Chris Walla, who's an awesome dude. Ben Gibber was there. I didn't say didn't, didn't really say much, but it was really cool to meet these guys. And I'm still a big fan of a lot of their music, even though Chris left the band. And uh, I've known this since I was, how old was I? I was like 20 years old. These are guys who are in a band and they're doing politics. They're, they, they, here I am going out and registering people to vote. I wasn't telling them who to vote for, but we know exactly what it's about. You get this big event with thousands of people. Then when everyone's there going, woo, we love music, you go register to vote and vote for my guy. That's how they do it. This is why they're so freaked out. Here's what I love. In this article, they say, what is it? They say, this is what I love. They say, uh, following, for those who live in the blessed intersection of hyper aware of the music charts, but totally ignorant of the world of far right politics, it was no doubt a mystery. A comically terrible rock song called Only Ever Wanted by a band called Timcast had hit number two on iTunes and hit number two on Billboard. Let me just correct you, Amanda. It hit number two on Billboard. That's like your prestigious mainstream media chart. In the alternative rock and uh, a rock, we hit the rock charts at like number 16, alternative at like 20, 
24, and then Alternative and Rock was like 26. I'm like, no, no, 21, I think. So all in all, it's like a really good play. I mean, so I've looked at a bunch of my favorite bands, and I'm like, they never even charted with these songs. That's crazy to me. And we put out our second song, the first official release actually tracked, and we hit the charts across the board. So surprising that a song so bad did so well. You see how freaked out they are by this? Again, check out the song Only Ever Wanted. It's on YouTube. It's on Spotify. I'm not going to pretend it's the greatest song in the world. It's just a song that we made. You know, they're freaking out. They say it's a song so bad that it provokes retroactive respect for the songcraft and musicianship of the mid-2000s cut-rate emo bands that are, that's ripping it off. It's just amazing. The song itself was trending on YouTube at number 23. Why? Was it because I'm so famous and powerful that so many... Or was it that people were listening to the song and so it started trending? And, and here's the best part. They say it was bad, but it's like 95% thumbs up. Now, I'm not trying to bring this up as like a brag or anything like that. Let me, let me read more. They say, unfortunately, the answer to the mystery is far more terrible than a lot of people who have bad taste. Tim Cast is the brainchild of Tim Pool, YouTube personality. Hey, that's me. Who pretends to be a liberal to give cover to the fact to give cover to what is, in fact, a steady stream of fascistic propaganda. Oh, oh no. As the Southern Poverty Law Center has documented, while claiming to be a disaffected liberal, Poole has pushed his commentary into an extreme hard right direction in recent years. Like what? What have I said? Amplifying figures like Ali Alexander, Enrique Tarrio, Alex Jones. As the Daily Beast documented, Poole has garnered up more than a billion views for his videos hyping far right conspiracy theories and white nationalist ideas. What I love about this is that I've hyped them. I'm literally mixed race and rag on white nationalists all the time. I call identitarianism a bad thing. And I rag on conspiracy theories from people on the right. You see how scared they are? It's because I am traditionally liberal, just not cult woke left liberal. Like I'm in favor of progressive taxes. I lean fairly libertarian. So I'm I've got questions about the tax system in general and I'm pro choice. And I think that the Roe decision actually hit a bunch of important points. And I don't know if repealing is the right decision. But my position there is is basically like this country's falling apart. There may be a civil war. So maybe maybe going towards the states is the appropriate move because people can then still have what they want. Here's the thing. In, in other words, people aren't listening to the embarrassingly subpar emo music because they like it. They like white nationalism and think that by listening to this song, they're helping support the cause. The song is just not political at all. We have uh, me, the lead singer, a mixed race guy. Um, and they're calling that white nationalism. Uh, forgive me, but um, are the white nationalists who want a white ethno state cheering for and supporting mixed race people? Yeah, sorry, that's just not the case. Isn't this remarkable what they write? And where's the Ben Shapiro stuff? Where is it? No, they just used his photograph. For most people, what they like in a pop song is if it has a good beat and they can dance to it. For the right, however, the only question is, does this song trigger the liberals? The song in no way says anything political. The lyrics are, did you know I left you there staring at, uh, at the heartache in your soul as, as your heart fell to pieces? And to the world you're leaving for, there's only one thing I want you to know is that now you can rest in peace, dear. It's literally just an emo song. Like in no way is it at all. It's just remarkable how insane these people are. Here's what they're really trying to do. The song hit, I think, like 1.8 million views on YouTube in the first week, in the first like two days. We cracked a million views. No, I think it might have been like three days. We cracked a million views. Day one of its release, we were number two on iTunes. 
By the next week, we are number two on Billboard. What they're worried about, they outline right in the beginning. They say, for those ignorant of the world of politics, it was a mystery. A comically terrible song hit number two. What they're saying is this. You may be a regular person who noticed this song and listened to it because it was trending on YouTube, has over a million views, nearly two million views. We've got 140K on Spotify and we've not promoted the Spotify. We promoted Apple and, and Apple sales, iTunes. So people were shazamming the song. We're listening to it. We did it. We hit the charts. That was the goal to make a song that was not locked into their cult worldview, not a part of their establishment cultural narrative. We did it. And now they're freaking out. You see what they say? If you don't know anything about the far right world of politics, you may have seen this song and wondered, what is this? Now, why would they say it was bad when it's 95% thumbs up with a bunch of views? Now, of course, the left is furious, ragging on it, saying it's bad. But the better example is probably the song we released in 2020 called Will of the People, song I wrote a long time ago, put together a music video in which I am not in it. And many people didn't know who the singer was. So just like with Run, Hide, Fight, Will of the People went viral. We got like a million hits in a few days. I wish we had charted it properly. We had distributed it properly. We didn't know what we were doing. Probably would have hit Billboard as well. Currently, it's got about 2.3 million views. When Hassan Piker reviewed it, tons of his liberal viewers said, no way. I actually have that song on a playlist. I like that song. I thought it was about revolution. I didn't realize it was made by Tim Pool. And therein lies the point. They're pretending to hate it. They use a photo of Ben Shapiro, but where, where in this do they even talk about Ben Shapiro? They don't. They talk about Christian rock. And here at the bottom, they mention the Daily Wire. Okay, fine. Terror on the Prairie. There you go. Here's the best part. A tweet from me showing 23 on trending. This, I said this. The success of Only Ever Wanted proves that deep down people have a yearning for powerful emo music, but the corporate globalist elite conspire to suppress it. It's not a serious tweet. That's the joke. And in one, look at this, in one day, in one day, the song had 823,000 views and, and, and overwhelmingly thumbs up. Do you think that's an accident? I don't think we wrote the greatest song in the world. I think we wrote something that people were interested in hearing and people are still currently listening to. I have the metrics on Spotify. The views are going up. But this is exactly what we hoped for, to release a song with a bang. We chose something we thought would have the biggest impact. I feel this. If we put out, I have a bunch of songs. We thought this one was really well made. We made a music video for it. I said, this one is unique in a certain way. I think we can put it out. It's good enough and we'll piss enough people off. I think if we put out, uh, so we have a bunch of other songs that have that people more request and more demand. And we're going to wait on those because part of it is to make a point. They want control of culture. And when they don't have it and you have a major success, they panic and they lose their mind. Look at this. They say, but even this petulant tweet belies the political non-aesthetic impulses driving the audience. The Billboard Hot 100 is stacked with artists of color, a dress wearing, blah, 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 blah. They say, and, a woman, and women who will never have sex with a Timcast fan. Yes, all 60 plus million who, who watch every month. He's peddling a fantasy that this is due to a woke conspiracy and that people really want to hear is whiny white guys playing half-written emo songs. I'm actually mixed race, Korean and Japanese, but... Um, Thanks, Salon. 
It was a gag. I was making fun of you. I was mocking you. And this is exactly why. And it's funny to me. And we're going to do more. What's really happening is that we hit number two on Billboard. Uh oh, go cry about that. What does that mean for the women who won't have sex with my fans? Pretty sure a bunch of my fans are married, mind you, but sure, whatever. This is the point. SNL, it's not, it's, it's, it's not the, the, you know, I said it was like the paramount, but I don't want to say it's like the end all be all, but it is a large mountain atop the establishment and it's being shattered. And now this is what they're panicking by, panicking about. They say even Poole's followers are probably asking how many times they have to play his song to make their point. Weird. I wonder why they're still playing it. I wonder why we're getting so many Shazams. Shazam is when someone hears the song and says, what's this song? And presses the thing to figure it out and edit their playlist. I wonder why we're still getting plays. I wonder why it's being picked up on algorithms. And here's the best part. I wonder why, Salon, mainstream industry professionals reached out and said, please let us work with you. I wonder why it is we've had industry professionals who have every reason to be like, I don't want to get involved in politics, being like, you can do better. We hear your songs. This could be better. We did this entirely on our own. The budget for the music video was a couple grand. In-house production was done for the song. We recorded it and played it all here. Except for Pete Parada, who played the drums. He recorded those at his home studio. We didn't go to Nashville. We didn't sit down in a major industry studio or anything like that. And that's what we produced. And people liked it enough. But more importantly, a bunch of industry guys reached out and said, work with us. And we said, we're going to work with these guys. And they were like, bro, we're going to help you out. And it's going to be big. I think the reality is SNL is collapsing. And the people who used to make a lot of money doing this are now realizing the path to success does not lie in getting woke and going broke. The path lies in, does someone have the reach? Does someone have the talent? And guess what? I think we got some good songs. I've written songs my whole life. I've been playing music since I was seven years old. I've been doing music more than I've been doing anything else. I've been playing shows and releasing music longer than I've been doing politics. But I never really cared to do any professional level recordings or anything like that. And politics is easy because you turn a camera on and it just goes. But making music requires a lot more than just recording yourself talking like I do here and reading the news. So now we have the opportunity to do something big. Something to make a move, and so does Ben Shapiro, and so does the Daily Wire. We are winning the culture war, and you can see their panic in trying to claim that it's somehow white nationalist. Sure, white nationalist ideas. Is that the best you have? Hyping far-right conspiracy theories and white nationalist ideas? Let me tell you this. White nationalists are not bright people, in my opinion. But more importantly, I have nothing but disdain for those ideas as a second generation mixed race person, as most of my fans know, because there was a gag going for a while that Tim Pool is mixed race because he says it all the time. But this is why I point it out, because every time they want to say something like this, it exposes who they really are. Ah, yes, the Asian mixed race guy. Yeah, yeah, he he certainly would like to end his own civil rights. (laughs) Nice try. We got more coming. We were planning on releasing a song this week. But since we got connected with these major label guys, we're not signing any label deals. But since we got, we got connected with some major industry uh, professionals, we're, we're doing a call and we're going to uh, work on some of these songs. And we're going to hit them better than we ever could have. Because it's just about making stuff. That's it. But it's about setting a standard. If you don't like their cult, you can walk away from it. You see what they're trying to do? 
They're like, it sounds like Nickelback. Dude, it's emo. Nickelback's not emo. SNL is falling apart for a reason, and we are rising for a reason. Thank you for the support. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.